Welcome to the WinFL Show. Welcome to the Outer Hebrides. This is the WinFL Show. I'm your host, Ian McKinnon. I'm joined this week by Jake McGee. Happy to be here, buddy. And by, of course, from the Long Snapper Podcast, Patrick Jackson. How are you doing? It's been a while. I'm very good, you know. I wasn't expecting to be back until January, so I'm delighted to get an early call. I've got my run rig t-shirt on to celebrate. We're all good here. Were you hoping that we'd be calling you in January because we're like, okay, the Jaguars have gone undefeated and we've got into the playoffs. Is this what you were expecting? And then we'd give, give you a call. Absolutely, yeah. A bit of uh, post-season preamble. It's nice to have one now and again. It is. Would that be post-amble? <laughs> maybe, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, right, so now, gentlemen, obviously the, the final preseason games are in the bag. We can touch on them if you like. I do want to mention that the Broncos won the last preseason game against the Rams. It was pretty good, 41 to nothing. Uh, just that's for Dave in case he's listening. Uh, but other than that, other than the preseason games that have actually taken place, and there wasn't many starters over the, the, the final week of preseason, we've now got a weekend off. And then we're into the season proper. The season kicks off. Kicks off in nine days. Can you believe it? Nine days to kick off. Jake, can you believe it? I can. It's been a, a, a long, long time <laughs> coming. And I'm, I'm sick to death of preseason. I'm sick to death of uh, people being injured before we've even picked a, a football worth meaning. So I, I can't wait. Yeah, there's been uh, quite a few injuries. Uh, Pat, can you believe it's only nine days to kick off? I know, it's been a long time getting from there to here, but I'm delighted. It's been a nice preseason for Jags fans, for the most part. And um, I watched a bit of um, the Texans' year of hard knocks to test my DAZN subscription, make sure that was working. And uh, Your what? Your, your what? <laughs> His... I'm aware it has an alternate name, but I'm not... Stooping to the level of saying it. Alternate. <laughs> yeah. They have a chosen pronunciation, which I'm choosing to ignore. Um, yeah, watch that. And that kind of gives you a new appreciation to the importance of preseason because it's easy to think of it as just, you know, a bunch of warm up practice game, preseason friendly. So don't mean as much. And especially when you're used to like football preseason where you don't have the big roster stipulations. It's more about building that squad. But then you look at it and Yes, you've got 30 or so guys who are guaranteed and they're there preparing to get into the new season. But you've also got 60 to 70 guys fighting for a job. And when you're watching games at one o'clock in the morning, thirds versus thirds, Jags versus Miami, it puts it into a different perspective when you're thinking that guy making that catch might have just got his wide receiver five job for the next season. And adds a little bit more to it than just, uh, you know, people bashing heads and trying to score with their very limited skill sets. Yeah, I mean, we we watched the preseason. So as I mentioned, I watched the, the last preseason game there. Now, for our off-season, uh, Mike Cliss, who's one of the, the Broncos' insiders, had mentioned the number five players because you've got your fifth running back and your fifth tight end and your fifth uh, wide, fifth cornerback and, and various ones. And these are the guys who... They're likely to be cut 
unless they do something pretty spectacular in pre-season and are able to essentially work their way up the pecking order. So from our point of view, the running back, um, Jaleel McLaughlin, was fantastic. He scored five Mm. touchdowns in three games. He was absolutely spectacular. Um, He was still listed as the number five running back for the Broncos. I thought there's no way they can cut this guy. Surely to goodness. Uh, And in that last game, Albert Okwebena. Albert O was sensational. All through practice against the Rams, they'd been saying he is just tearing them apart. And in the game, he went for 109 yards on a touchdown, made an incredible one-handed grab on the sidelines. And I thought, there you go. His job is safe, particularly because the Broncos have Greg Dulcich, a receiving tight end, three blocking tight ends, and Albert O. That's what they've got the tight end. And I thought, well, they've also got a very good fullback there. You don't need three blocking tight ends. What happens, especially considering how the Broncos receivers have been dropping like flies, you really want to keep that other receiving tight end there. And uh, wouldn't you know it? He's been cut by the Broncos. And I literally just found this out a couple of minutes ago. Thanks, Jake. And, uh, You're welcome. I, I'm I'm absolutely gobsmacked, gobsmacked that he's been cut. I thought there's no way. And they've cut two wide receivers. It's not like the Broncos receivers have been healthy. They've cut two receivers and now they've cut their guaranteed second best pass catching tight end. Um, I still think he has the ability to be a pro bowl tight end in this league as a pass catcher. And people talk about blocking abilities. Listen, listen, Shannon Sharp didn't make the Hall of Fame because he was a great blocker. <laughs> just saying right you know rob gronkowski a good blocker nothing spectacular travis kelsey's a good well, blocker nothing spectacular just saying jake's gonna argue with me on you go jake what are you gonna say i think that's a bit disrespectful to gronk his blocking was 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 pretty good I want to ask for Italian, it was, especially in the modern game yeah it was pretty good he was like a good blocker but he was an incredible receiver and that's that's the reason He's going to go into the Hall of Fame. It's because of his receiving, not because of his blocking. Um, and I'm just, I, I can't, I'm, this hurts. This hurts. And just before we started the recording here, and, and you mentioned this to me, Jake, I was saying last year the Broncos let Noah Fant go as part of the, the Russell Wilson trade. And I was really annoyed because Noah Fant, in my opinion, was a spectacular athlete. And I thought, if he's in the right system, he can do really, really well. But they got shipped him off. And I thought, well, do you know what? We've still got Alberto. We've still got Alberto. We're going to be fine. He wasn't healthy the full season, but Greg Dulcich popped up and he's he looked incredible. And I thought, Greg, excellent. Two good pass-catching tight ends. No, get, get shot of Alberto. I can't believe, I don't know what to say anymore. I don't know what to say about it. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. I know exactly who you'll pick up. The Eagles cut Dan Arnold, a former Saint and uh, Jaguar. And guess what? I guarantee probably on the probably on the Broncos in like two days because Sean Payton's obsession for the Saints is is out of control. It is. Reuniting with uh, Chris Manhurts. Um, yeah. yeah. Now, uh, speaking of which, Jake, the, the Broncos signed a Saint <laughs> today. Yeah, you traded for him. Tra- traded for him, in fact. Yes, a uh, kicker, Will Lutz. What have you got to say about Will Lutz, Jake? He was a, a very solid kicker for us. After years of bad kicking, he kind of brought a bit of normality back to it. But there seems to be a bit like the running backs 
the kickers are kind of being screwed over a little bit. There's been a lot of kickers traded. Uh, they're all older veterans. Um, Nick Folk from the Patriots to the Titans, Dustin Hopkins from the Chargers to the Browns, and Will Lutz to the Saints to the Broncos. They have in common that they are veteran kickers who are getting paid more money than younger kickers that are being brought in. So it's kind of like how with the running backs you say, you know, you know, don't pay them, run them for, for three, four years, get rid of them and just get another rookie. It seems to be happening with the kickers as well. These these kickers are being replaced by younger models. So the Broncos send over a seventh to the Saints and they're paying two point two million for Will Lutz this year. And the Saints are, are rocking with a rookie. See, I d I don't kind of get it with the kickers. I, I that that's got to be money based. Mm -hmm. It has to be because you and I both know kickers can go well into their forties with no problems whatsoever. They can go into their forties. Running backs obviously can't do that. So I can understand with the you know, say with the running backs get three years, four years out of him and then ditch him because you can get a he's worn out bring in a new one. With kickers, it's it's almost the opposite. It's like the longer they're in the league, the better they get. Um so that's got to be down to cash. It must There's just no no right way to do it with kickers. I mean, the Browns' very infamous tweet that's been going around the last couple of uh, days hilariously is the, this is why you draft a kicker after Cade York hit a game winner. Well, they then put Cade York, a former fourth-round pick, and then traded for Dustin Hopkins, who lost the Chargers job. So the, the Browns doing Browns thing. They, they've spent a fourth-round pick on a kicker, put him to spend another pick on a kicker who's lost his job. So just... Very consistent with the Browns model. So what do you think of the new Saints kicker, Jake? Have you, have He's a rookie. He's, besides missing a 59-yarder, which, you know, uh, I won't hold yeah. against him. He's not missed a kick. Um, Will Lutz, last year and kind of the year before, a couple of injuries, a couple of kind of signs of maybe dropping off a little bit. So I think it was probably the right thing to Saints do. Um, we've got a seventh-rounder. That, you know, that doesn't really mean too much, but a bit more cap space go with the, the younger model and uh, kind of ride out from there and hopefully he won't be managing too many field goals it'll just be PATs he's doing well that's what you <laughs> want now, I mean uh, you might so the Bronx have signed Will Lutz because they cut uh, Brett Maher and uh, Stephen Fry Stephen Fry <laughs> Elliot Stephen Fry. Fry they didn't cut Stephen <laughs> Fry Elliot Fry. That would have been something if Stephen Fry was kicking for the Denver Broncos I'll tell you that um, <laughs> so they cut uh, Elliot Fry and Brett Maher, and they brought in Will Lutz. Now, the 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 one uh, of the three of us who's probably happiest at the moment about the kicker position is Patrick. Um, Absolutely, you're you're quite quite happy with your kicker, aren't you? He's had a solid preseason. He split reps with James McCourt, and there was a little period of time when we were just going for two all the time. And I thought this is just Edison swinging and uh, doing exciting things in pre-season just because he can. Turns out our long snapper had got injured, so he was kind of forced to uh, pull the two-point conversions out of the bag. Um, but yeah, and it's an interesting one from a Broncos perspective because it feels like you've ended up in a position where you've not really saved any money and you've had to trade for a guy. And it feels like a consolidation of power move on the part of Peyton really so he's got out the longest tenured player the NFLPA rep the experienced voice in the locker room and brought in his own guy he's known for those years and we saw in the last Jaguars preseason game a 
Dolphins player get injured and the guy out there with the head coaches was Brandon McManus discussing ultimately the end of the game with 8 minutes 35 seconds still left in the fourth quarter and they just called it and stopped at that point because the yeah, player injury had disturbed players too much I guess so I'm glad we brought in a kicker not only as reliable as McManus but also the sort of character he must bring to a locker room with that sort of um, influence and trust having only been in the building a few months it's uh, a really good sign yeah McManus got a bit of a bad rep last year um, because he missed some kicks his percentage wasn't that great let's not forget that he opened the season attempting a 64 yarder in Seattle mm-hmm. let's let's not forget that so uh, and uh, that's all I'm saying I'm not going to go into it just there we go uh, McManus is a great kicker I love McManus and you can always I've, I've said it before and I'll say it again you can always tell how good a player is by the reaction of the fans whose team they've just left. So when they're up in arms, you know, oh, we've got a good player here. So I, I don't know. I don't know what's going what's gonna to happen with, um, with the, the Broncos kickers. Well, that should be the guy. He should be. They've traded for him. For, I mean, unless he absolutely stinks it up, he's going to be the guy. Brandon McManus is over there in Jacksonville. Barring anything horrendous happening, he's going to be the guy. What's the name of your, your, your guy in New Orleans, sir, Jake? The, the, the rookie? Lake, I'm gonna. It's group. I'm guessing G R U P E. I don't know if it's groupy. Group. I'm gonna go with group because groupy sounds of it. Groupy would be cool. That'd be good. <laughs> that was his name. Yeah. So there you go. There must the kickers. Now there's just too many roster cuts to cover because they're happening as we speak. They're going on. Uh, can't refresh Twitter X um, quickly enough. So Jake. I'm leaving this in your capable hands for the time being. Was uh, other than because we do need to talk about the Trey Lance trade, of course, mm-hmm. huge news. Um, is there anything else that's been going on in the last day or so that's really caught your eye? Any particular cuts that you've noticed or trades that have uh, I don't want to say shocked you, but maybe just you know piqued your interest? I think the most piqued my interest can be right now is for Jonathan Taylor. The Colts have up until four p.m. basically. To, well, Eastern Time, which is 9pm our time. It is currently 20 past 7, so next hour and 40 minutes, if the Colts do not remove Jonathan Taylor from the pop list, he will miss the four game, first four games of the season, even if he's traded after today. So, you know, say the Dolphins trade for him tomorrow, he still will miss the first four games no matter what. Um, so, you would assume, Andrew, um, last week had told us the Colts had said you can sort out a trade if you like, but you've got up until Tuesday the 29th. Well, it is Tuesday the 29th. Jonathan Taylor and his agent have one hour 36 to get a trade sorted. The Dolphins did just cut Miles Gaskin. Is that in preparation? They also um, restructured Cedric Wilson's uh, contract to free up $3 million. All things are pointing towards Jonathan Taylor to the Dolphins. Ooh. But we should know, hopefully, by the end of this podcast. Hopefully, we all know what's going on. The Colts have cut Kenyon Drake, Xavier Scott, and Jake Funk from their running back room as well, despite the fact they've got Taylor on the PUP list and the other guy out injured, whose name I've forgotten. Hines, is it? Name um, Hines, yeah. yeah. I, I, I was convinced. So they are absolutely the down to but... two. Oh, my word. <sighs> See, the thing is, right, last week we spoke about the, the, the Colts and the ownership and how it's a little bit, mm, yeah, 
over Ulele. there. <laughs> yeah. So I wouldn't be surprised if they just leave him on the pup list. Just, <laughs> just like, fine, on you go. There you are. We're not taking you off it. But I've signed for it. I, I don't care. We're keeping you on it so that you will miss four games. Out of spite. Then they sneak into Miami in a van in the dead of night. I, I, that wouldn't surprise me. I wouldn't surprise me. Big Mayflower truck, and he's inside it, heading over to <laughs> heading over to Miami. Ah, the, honestly, I don't know what's going on with the Colts. I just don't. I've, uh, I, I think this organization might fall apart this year. It, it might just, just from the inside out. Um, the the way that the way they're operating over there is just bizarre. Just utterly, utterly bizarre. Um, anyway, can't talk about the Colts all day. Jake, what else you got for us? Um, what else we got? Josh Jacobs staying with the running backs. He got a deal finally sorted. One year, twelve million. Again, I didn't see it put out there anywhere that there was no kind of franchise tag implications next year. That wasn't kind of included that he can't be franchise tagged. Which you know, if I was his agent, that's what I would be doing. I say, okay, if you only want to give us a a one year contract, I want it written in the contract that you can't just franchise tag me next year and we go through this whole palaver again. Um, but he gets paid a little bit more than Saquon, so that's he's he's one up Saquon, uh, so, which is always always handy. Yeah, I mean, so for, uh, you know, um, forgive me if I'm wrong, or correct me if I'm wrong. I should say, I was under the impression that the tag for running backs this year was approximately eleven point one million dollars, and then Saquon got eleven and a half or eleven point six or something like that. And if Josh Jacobs gets 12, ju- just to avoid the franchise tag, it's like half a million dollars. Here there. And, you know, to these organizations, that's literal pocket change. It's nothing whatsoever. I, what, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Do you think maybe all the, all the running backs, remember they had that Zoom meeting? Yeah? Was it, was it a couple, three weeks ago or whatever it was? And it was like the day after Saquon got paid. <laughs> it's like, but he only got paid slightly more in the franchise tag. You think of all these other guys that are there going, you know, what is happening? What is happening to this market for running backs that we've spoken to, ad, spoken about ad nauseum? Uh, Patrick, what's what's going on? Any, do you have any idea what's going on? It's kind of weird, isn't it? How you can basically disrespect and disenfranchise an entire positional group and i listened to the show with uh, ben isaacs when he was saying as a rule of thumb don't pay second contracts to running backs because it's a law of diminishing returns they get injured for the most part they trample out of the game and from a purely like ruthless business perspective i get that but also i don't watch the games as a businessman i watch them as a fan and i don't care how many billions of dollars Shad Khan's got. What I want to see is if Travis Etienne runs for 5,000 yards over his rookie contract, I want to see him playing for us for another five years. And maybe that's the wrong business decision for the club and I should be thinking about the best way for us to win Super Bowls. But you can't help get attached to players, especially those players who you see carrying the load for your team and putting their bodies on the line, play in and play out. So... I know, I think a bit a bit less business savvy and a bit more romantically, I guess, than some people do. I, I don't think everyone can blame you for that, though. I, I really don't. You know, we, we love, if your team's got a good running back, it's fantastic. And all three of our teams have good running backs. You've got Travis Etienne over there, 
Um, down in New Orleans, Alvin Kamara is one of my favorite and Jamal players. Williams. I'm sorry? And, and Jamal Williams. And, and Jamal Williams, yeah. And, and in Denver, we've got Javante Williams. It's just, you, you love having that player. And when you think about how they do appear to be getting underpaid or undervalued by the franchises up and down the NFL, um, do you think if this continues for another year or two years that you will just start seeing teams just completely going away from, I don't want to say use the term bell cow running backs because they're practically gone anyway. Um, but do you think every team is going to be doing just by committee with all these young players on, on, you know, one and $2 million contracts as opposed to paying out 12 million, 15 million for a running back. Do you think those days might be long gone in just a couple of years? Or do you think there might be some sort of revolution to, to bring it all back around again? You're always going to have the odd outlier, like the Titans who build the majority of their roster around that freak of a human being who can just battering ram through entire teams. And they've maybe moved away a little bit with the uh, DeAndre Hopkins signing, but it looks as though that offense is going to revolve around Henry. And why wouldn't you, given we know what he can do? You you continue to do that until he breaks down, I guess. And by the looks of the running back room they've assembled behind him, they've mostly gone for similar build types to try and extend the length of time they can play in that way by the looks of it. And uh, that's going to be successful for some teams because if everyone's not doing that, then your defence has changed to deal with the running back by committee type offences. And if you're the odd team out that doesn't have that, that gives you an advantage over the defences that have kind of changed to maybe smaller, more agile builds to uh, counteract the majority of those offences. What do you think? My viewpoint will be backed up by a random stat I was going to use at some point, but it's kind of just disappeared. But I've kept hold of it. I've kept a list of the Super Bowl winners leading Russia and the salary since 2009. So last year we had Isaiah Pacheco, who was on a rookie contract. Um, the year before, Cam Akers get paid base salary of 1.1. Leonard Fournette, 2. Damian Williams, 1.05. Sony Michel, 480 grand. LeGarrette Brunt, 900 grand. LeGarrette Blunt, 760 grand. TJ Anderson, 585 grand. LeGarrette Blunt, pops up three times, good for him, 730 grand. Percy Harvin, not even a running back, 2.5 million, the highest. He's a wide receiver. (laughs) Yeah, but leading rusher of the the Super Bowl winner, uh, 2012, (laughs) um, Ray Rice, uh, 2 million. Uh, 2011, Ahmad Bradshaw, 1.5 million. 2010, James Sox, 320 grand. And then 2009, Saints, Pierre Thomas, 460 grand. They've all got something in common. They're all getting paid pennies. The highest paid running back or rusher from, from the last, what, 13, 14 years, Percy Harvin. It's a clear kind of system and how it works, and teams know how it works. The, the Chiefs, they drafted Clyde Edwards-Hilaire in the first round so they'd have him for five years if he worked out genius move it didn't work out they went oh well we'll just draft a guy next year in like the sixth round named Pacheco that no one's ever heard of really and oh mm. would you believe it he's fantastic it, it, it's kind of a, a proven point at this point there is no point of paying a running back and as uh, on a team that does pay a running back Alvin Kamara and like Patrick has said I'm, I've always liked Alvin Kamara as a player and I'm happy that we've kept him but would the Saints be in a better position if three, four years ago they didn't pay Alvin Kamara and reposition that money? 
Probably because it seems to be the proven business model. Don't pay your running back. Why do you suppose it is that it's not the same scenario with, for example, wide receivers? Do you think it's just because running backs obviously tend to have a shorter career because they get injured more, because they get hit more often? But, you know, you you see teams that have a wide receiver and they'll pay absolutely through the nose to keep that receiver for, you know, there's a six-year deal, $100 million, no problems whatsoever. Uh, which, you know, running backs wouldn't even dream of a, of a of a contract like that. We're seeing guys like, you know, Justin Jefferson and uh, Jamar Chase and, you know, Jalen Waddell coming through there and what the Raiders paid Devontae Adams and... And they, they'll attempt to keep those players for a decade if they can. Do you think it is purely because of the the way that running backs um, do have a shorter career? Because, I mean, you, you can't tell me that teams can pick up running backs in the draft, seventh round, no problem, and they turn out to be really good, but it doesn't happen with wide receivers. I, I don't believe that. Or do you think maybe wide receiver is... I don't know if it's controversial or not, but a more difficult position to play than running back. Jake. It's a tougher skill set, and it's a passing league, and it's getting more of a passing league. You can't touch the quarterback, you can't touch the wide receiver. Guess what? You can, and you're allowed to nail the running back, if you so wish. Well, <laughs> um, On most teams, you've got one wide uh, one running back, maybe two. You've got you know, a third down running back. You're like, well, every team's got five or six wide receivers, and you throw it. If, you know, 40, 50 times a game. Very few teams, you know, unlike the Titans, even run it more than 20, 30 times. I mean, you know, people would agree that Nick Chubb has pretty much been the best running back last couple of years overall. The Browns still had Kareem Hunt there the entire time. It wasn't like they solely trusted Nick Chubb. Okay, this is our, we, this is our guy. We don't need anyone else. They still had Kareem Hunt. I mean, you see a lot of teams, if they're paying two or three wide receivers at this point. I mean, look at Miami. They've got a deadly duo. It's, I just don't think the running backs... I don't know what can be done because the CBA was agreed like a year or two ago. It's not yeah. due up for like seven years. There is no union or anything on the horizon to save these running backs because I completely understand what people like Ben were saying in terms of your crisps and your crisp sandwich and you don't pay your running backs, mm. but you can't phase running backs out of their football. And at some point, like it is going to take because if if one or two running backs sit out, we've seen it doesn't work. You know, Le'Veon Bell or you know yeah. they they'll be replaced. It would take the entire kind of every star running back to just say if you don't pay all of us, we're we're leaving, and that's just not going to happen. Obviously, because people like money. They do. They do like money. Uh, Pat, what's your viewpoint on that? Jake makes a very good point about the fact that um, defenses aren't allowed to hit receivers, or you know defenseless receivers they're not allowed to hit quarterbacks maybe they like to take their frustrations out on the running backs uh you know if a safety get you know gets, keeps getting called for pass interference and and holding defensive holding that and then he sees the running back and he's like you know what i'm just gonna level this guy because i've been i've been have not had my way all day long do you think it is something along those lines or do you think it's just another you know as another good great point that jake makes is that You've got four, five, six wide receivers on your squad. You you can play five at a time, um, you know, with an empty backfield. You, you're never going to do that with running backs. What do you reckon? It must make a difference. And I think 
it's the combination of the increased longevity of the wide receiver position because you're getting pummeled that bit less often. And it's harder, I think, for a running back to have that explosive game-breaking sort of impact on a game than you see for a you know a really big wide receiver or even some of the top tier tight ends you know you see them having like 10 15 catch 150 yard games the running back equivalent of that is a rarer beast and uh, that maybe indicates a part of the the difference between the way the two are treated at the moment yeah i get your point I, do. I get yours too, Jake. I do. I I don't disagree with a single thing that you guys have said. I just, I I don't know if it can continue the way it's going. The, the, the contracts, instead of going up for running backs, are going down all the time. It's got to bottom out at some point. Um, and I think what, what some of these players are running the risk of by maybe holding out is for owners around the, the league, because we know the owners talk to each other. We know this. It's just to go, we're not paying any of these guys because we don't need to. Let's set the max value for a running back $5 million. Maximum, best guy in the league, whoever you decide that's going to be. And then use that as the baseline for anyone else. They have the power to do that and nobody can stop them. And as you mentioned, Jake, what is it? Seven years for the, the CBA? Yeah, I think it's it's all way in the future. I mean, this this could go on and on to the point where, you know, nobody wants to play running back. And then you run the risk of these, uh, what would you call it, the dual threat players, Debo Samuel, mm-hmm. Cordell Patterson, who'd essentially, well, they're wide receivers, that's what they are, and they can play in the backfield. They can run the ball. So, it's. Yeah. It's 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 all about min max and, and that's what general managers and owners want to do. They want to get the best bang for the buck. They want to pay your Joe Burrow and your Jamal Chase. And if you do that, someone's gotta take the hit. And again, you saw in the preseason game, for some reason, the Chiefs safety took a, a kick. Kickers, running backs, punters, they're all gonna end up getting phased out for these players that can play every position. We're gonna have, you know, a George Bland, you know, go Patrick back Mahomes to Iron Man football. <laughs> yeah, Patrick Mahomes is going to have to learn how to punt. You know, they will just min max it to the point where the fifty man, fifty three man rosters aren't possible. Or they don't need it. They'll pay forty, and they'll do fifty three jobs. Yeah. Now, last year, when the Chiefs' safety, whose name I've forgotten, uh, Evans, kicked, I don't know what his first name is, kicked like two extra points. Justin. Justin. And yeah, and he kicked off as well. And when it happened, I said, every NFL team should do this. Not not for extra points and, and, and field goals. Maybe field goals. For kickoffs, they should have a safety kicking off. Because kickers are not generally known for their tackling abilities. You want your last line of defense to be a safety. And that's, per- I mean, it's perfect. Just teach a safety how to kick off. There you go. That's that's Justin absolute. Reed is the name. Justin Reed. Justin Reed. Apologies, Justin, if you're listening. Uh, yeah, they, they should definitely do that. Pat, what would you do if you could have any player doing another thing? I like safeties kicking off. I think that's brilliant. <laughs> or, or or even punting. You know, because again, last line of defense. You want a safety back there, a fast, hard hitting 
tackle machine. That's what you want. If you could have any player doing any other position as well as their own, uh, what position would you have? Would, would you have, like as uh, Drake suggested, maybe a quarterback punting? It would make fake punts a lot more, a lot more interesting. Yeah, that's an obvious one. Um, the Jags have got a former linebacker turned long snapper, and he's deceptively good at tackling. He makes a lot of tackles on special teams. That sort of thing, I think, is underrated. And we do like long well, snappers. You see a lot of teams now with three, four quarterbacks. Sure, you just have your third spring, fourth spring quarterback. Do your punts. So you have the threat. You can't just do holding. That's lazy. Yeah, you can't just do holding. So you can hold the kick for the safety, and then you can punt, and you can threat the the pass, and also you just learn how to punt. You know, it can't be that hard. We're just doing millions of people out of jobs here. uh, That's true. Now, especially if you had, like, a, a running quarterback... Who could throw? Could you imagine if Lamar Jackson was punting? That would be t- talk about within four down territory every single drive. Could you imagine that? That's really, like oh my words! If Lamar so now Jackson, we know. Was, oh, we, oh, we know the real reasons the Cowboys trade of Trey Lance. He's about to be a punter for them. There we are now. <laughs> A lovely segue there, Jake. That was beautiful. Thank well you. done. Uh, we do need to talk about the Trey Lance trade. So, Jake, uh, I will let you take it away. Oh, well, the, the Trey Lance, obviously the 49ers famously traded three first-round picks and a third-round pick to move up to draft Trey Lance, third overall, in the 2021 draft. They have now traded him to the Cowboys for a fourth-round pick. Lance has or was paid over $27 million for less than 300 snaps and four starts with the 49ers. It's uh, a really great move for the Cowboys, if I'm honest. I'm, I'm actually, if I was a Cowboys fan, I'd be quite happy with this. You've got Dak Prescott, who's, you know, hot and cold, loves to throw an interception, supposed to be a franchise quarterback, somewhat injury-prone. Um, you've got Cooper Rush, who's proved to be kind of very dependable, solid kind of backup. Not going to pull up sticks, but kind of if you need him to win a close game against the Washington Commanders, he'd probably do it. Um, but getting Trey Lance for you know pennies on a dime, like it, it feels feels like a great deal for them. They've only given up a fourth for him. He's got all the talent in the world in terms of could turn out to be what the 49ers certainly seem to put their bandwagon on last year. It was only last preseason they were saying, this is Trey Lance's team. Yeah. We don't need Jimmy G. We've got this Mr. Irrelevant guy as you know, his backup or his third string. He's, we don't care about him. This is Trey Lance's team. And a year later, the 49ers have basically given up and said, we'll take a fourth. We've got Trey Lance. We don't need him anymore. We've got Brock Purdy and Sam Darnold. I'm, I'm wondering if during practice, during training, during preseason, they've looked at Trey Lance and went, we were just wrong. We traded two first-rounders and swapped first-rounders and a third-rounder, is that what it was, sorry? Mm-hmm. For Trey Lance. We blew it. He's just no good. Um, because Sam... If, no offence to Sam Darnold, but he had bust written all over him. And if he has beaten Trey Lance out... Is it too early? Is it too early? Have we not seen enough yet to call Trey Lance a bust? He he is a bust. He has time to turn it around, but he is a bust. I mean, he's played a total of eight games. Well, but that's That's what I mean. That's the fewest games by a top five pick with the team he debuted 
with since the start of the common draft era in 1967. He is oh. the definition of a bust. Does that mean he is going to be a career bust? No. But he is currently the definition of a bust. Well, yeah, but is he? Be- and the only reason I say that is because the reason he played eight games because he was injured. It's not mm-hmm. because he was rubbish that he's only played eight games. Do, do you know what I mean? It, it's not because yeah, but he was There's been many talented up. players that have been injured and they will go down a bust because you, it's a, a, a what if. Trey Lance is the biggest what if currently in the NFL. Uh, kind of, yeah, he is the biggest what if. You know, what could have been. Uh, maybe we'll see it in Dallas. Maybe we'll see what he can do in Dallas because Dak, um, I don't trust Dak at all. Every year um, when I'm watching the Cowboys, he seems to make some of the most boneheaded decisions. Um, as you already mentioned, some interceptions. You're like, what are you thinking of? And then there was the game where he, you know, there was 14 seconds on the clock and he ran it up the middle and then tried to spike it and they ran out of time. Were you going, come on, you know how much time is on the clock. What are you thinking? I don't trust Dak at all. I just don't. Um, Patrick, what's your take on Dak and Trey Lance? Do you think Trey Lance has a shot of starting a game this year? Um, it'll come down to injuries, I think. They're, they seem pretty wedded to Prescott when he's fit. Um, the Trey Lance thing's a really interesting one because it's basically an admission from the front office that they're choice of him and the trade to go up and get him was a mistake. However much they try and sugarcoat it and say, oh, after the fact, you know, it could have worked out if he hadn't got injured. Well, yeah, but you schemed him into that injury, so really that's on you as well. Um, They had a very small sample size for his college career, I think, which doesn't help matters, and you wonder why someone with that little experience was in the draft in the first place, looking back at it. Looking at pre-season without any like preconceptions of it he looked very nervous and jittery you wouldn't have told he was a first round draft pick and certainly i was more confident and impressed by the preseason play i saw from someone like nathan rourke than um than what we saw from lance so on that basis it didn't surprise me that darnold took the qb2 job um on, on the basis of that preseason viewing alone and as you say We've seen what Darnold can do when it's live reps in actual proper games. And if you're looking worse than that, that's not a sign that you're going to establish yourself as a QB1 of the future. And, you know, maybe he can because he's young. He's got time to, to learn and turn it around. But it doesn't look good to be behind someone like Darnold, given what we've seen from him over the years, and behind someone like Purdy, who has picked right at the end of the draft as a, you know, random dart in a dartboard. Oh, this my guy might be all right. Well, he is. He's better than the guy you traded the farm up for third for by the looks of what we've seen so far. And you're lucky you've managed that dart in the bullseye to cover your backsides from the mistake you made at the top of the draft. Because if you didn't have that as well and you were rolling with Sam Darnold as your QB1, you'd be out of the door already. I don't, yeah, I don't know how many GMs can give up what they did for Trey Lance and survive to tell the tale. And like you say, I think it is Brock Purdy has saved uh, John Lynch's job. Um, but it really makes me worried for a certain quarterback coming out this year because we've seen it with Mitch Trubisky, the MVP, 
you know, and I love Mitch, but one year in co- in college, like thirteen games, drafted very early, kind of bottomed out. Trey Lance, one year in college, drafted very early, bottomed out. Anthony Richardson, I, one year in college, I literally drafted early. I literally have Anthony Richardson's college statistics in front of me. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, he started twelve games in twenty twenty two. He's had one game in twenty twenty one. 12 in 2022, he went 6-6, 53% completion percentage, 2,500 yards, 17 touchdowns, 9 picks. Fourth Makes me very nervous. Fourth. He had a season behind Kyle Trask, who is somehow still behind Baker Mayfield. I don't know how Baker Mayfield keeps fooling people into giving him starting jobs. It's mad. I'm I'm with it 100%, Jake. I, I look at Anthony Richardson, and I was thinking that as you were talking about freelance i was like yeah this has got anthony richardson all over it the, the 49ers difference. really sorry jake what were you gonna say i was gonna say the difference is trey lance had debo samuel george kittle you know a great defense anthony richardson is in a terrible situation yeah. we've already spoken about jonathan taylor he's right. his wide receivers uh, uh, you know borderline getting cancelled here uh, just a bunch of white guys um, so that's not great. <laughs> no, no. Like, you go into your white, white, you go into your wide receiver room and you see like five, five foot ten white guys. You're thinking well, this isn't going to go too well. Uh, and then the tight end, uh, they cut Mawali Cox. I quite like him. He's he's a bit a big body, but it's not going into a great situation. So we've already talked about the one year kind of production, but also going into that kind of situation as well is even worse. Well, how can how can any quarterback? play 12 games in college, go 6-6 six and six and get drafted 4th overall. I mean, what? Light up the combine. I know, but hey, Steve Emptman lit up the combine. Do you remember him? Nope. <laughs> Not many people do. <laughs> yeah. you know, No offence, Steve, if you're listening. This, this happens every year where a player lights up the combine and then pff, nothing. Nothing. I just wonder if this will, it, it, you know, if I hope he, he doesn't. Uh, I'm Patrick will, will hope we are right, but I hope Anthony Richardson can kind of prove it wrong. But if he does kind of bottom out, I think this can may change how quarterbacks are looked at in the draft because it's kind of becoming a pattern of if one year kind of production, it's it's not working. Maybe <laughs> we stop doing this. They either go back a year because maybe the play it comes to the players. They might go, you know, maybe I don't declare this year, even though. I'd get paid a lot more money. The new deal with the college football naming rights, they get paid a lot of money anyway. So maybe I stay in a year. How much of that do you think might be the players, other agents saying, hey, Indianapolis are going to be looking for a quarterback this year. So just we'll just concentrate on being good at the combine mm-hmm. and you can get drafted high up and get a nice paycheck. Boom, there you go. <laughs> because he might, he, might, he might have thought this time last year, ah, you know, I'm not going to bother uh, to clean for the draft. I'll do one more year. Maybe get picked in the fourth round somewhere. And now all of a sudden he's a fourth overall pick. And I'm getting paid like the fourth overall pick. And that's the thing. It's a huge payday for these guys. And I, I hope, you, you know, I hope you're right, Jake. I hope he does do well. I hope he plays well and has a good, long, successful, injury-free career. And Patrick's sitting there going, no, hope he doesn't. Hope he's rubbish. <laughs> and I hope they keep it's, it's him for 10 years. It's an interesting position for Jackson. I was going to say, it's an interesting position for Jackson's because he's from like the neighbouring college. So there's loads of Florida Gator fans who 
are absolutely hoping Richardson has a long, successful career, but that he does it after being traded somewhere in the NFC. I just think Caleb Williams had already come out and said that he might not come out because he basically knows he's going to the Cardinals. Um, but I just saw some, this this uh, on on Twitter. Arch Manning is currently projected to make two point nine million through the the NIL this year. That is almost two million more than Joe Burrow's base salary. Caleb Williams projected to make two point six million. That is one point six million more than Trevor Lawrence's base salary. Travis Hunter is projected to make one point five million, which is almost four hundred grand more than Odom Be- uh, Odell Beckham Jr.'s base salary. So if you're a college player, you don't have the I need to get out of college and get a draft. You know, I need I need that draft bonus right now to you know look after my family. College players with this new kind of licensing are getting money legally, um, unlike you know Reggie Bush and, and other people. Mm, yeah. It's it's all legal now. Um, so there is kind of no rush for them to come out like they used to be. Oh. Which oh. means maybe the players that do come out early are the players like Anthony Richardson who were in a kind of mediocre situation in college mm-hmm. and suffering from not a great offensive scheming, not a great offensive roster around him and it wasn't giving him the capability to show his best on the field. So maybe he's got a better chance of doing that in Indianapolis, who knows? I mean, you're absolutely right. Now, last week on the podcast, I was talking about the NFL original Elway to Marino by the 1983 draft about the agent mm-hmm. uh, it, it kind of tangented off really badly so I apologise to anyone who had to suck the hemorrhoids or something it, it did the hemorrhoids were mentioned at one point anyway <laughs> that's not the point um, it reiterated what a lot of people forget is that John Elway was the most hyped college player prospect of all time Every team in the NFL wanted this guy, and they were fighting over each other to try and get him. Fast forward to 2012, or 2011, I should say, and Andrew Luck comes out in the draft. And people will suck for Luck. People were like, "Real, we could use a guy like Andrew Luck. The Colts were so stoked on Andrew Luck that they shipped Peyton Manning. <laughs> Worst decision they ever made. But they did it. Then Trevor Lawrence comes out in 20, I'm going to say, 19, 20, 2020. Trevor Lawrence didn't have a great rookie year, but it looks good. When Arch Manning declares eligible for the the draft, teams will be falling over themselves to get this guy. He will be the most hyped, the most hyped quarterback since at least Andrew Luck coming out. Maybe even John Elway, maybe even more than John Elway, because we all know that when Art Manning declares for the NFL draft, he's going to be number one. We all know this already. He's going to be number one when he, when he comes in, and it's just a case of who gets him. So if I'm a, a team that's looking at my aging quarterback, and not even aging, middle aging quarterback, let's say for argument's sakes, Dallas Cowboys. I'm Jerry Jones. I'm looking at Dak Prescott. And I'm going, you know, three years from now, or whenever uh, Manning is going to be eligible, four years from now, that might not be it. So what I'm going to do over the next four years, I'm just going to let him do what he does, and I'm just going to build draft capital so that in 2027, or whenever it is, the Arch Manning comes around, I've got the top 10 picks. 
I've got every single pick in the first round. So I guarantee I'm getting this guy. It's, it's going to happen. And his contract, when he comes out, when he signs his first overall pick contract, Art Manning's contract is going to be astronomical for our rookie. Uh, as high as the limit will let it go. I, I forget what the limit is now. There is a limit. And I forget what it is. But it's going to be gigantic. And then he'll have the... All, they'll sign his fifth year option on week three. I, honestly, that, that's going to happen because of the hype. Now, guys like Anthony Richardson, as you said, there was no hype. No one was hyping Anthony Richardson until the Combine. Um, but the guy played 12 games in his entire college career and went, you know, that, that record of 500. 13 touchdowns and nine picks. I mean, those, those are pedestrian. That's, that's like um, Vic Fangio era Broncos quarterbacks numbers. That's what that is. That's not a top four pick in the NFL draft. I might have gone a tangent there again. I apologize. I think that is going to age like milk when Archman is benched in a year. You know, I can't. I can't wait to come back to this. And Archman doesn't even declare for the NFL draft. I'm, he actually I'm, just I'm. I'm going to sofas. I'm going to put it right on the line right now, Jake. On the line right now. Do you remember last year preseason we had a bet? Mm-hmm. And it was about who's going on to the Jaguars. The kicker gate <laughs> in Jacksonville. And I don't think any of us won, did we? I think you won by like default, but neither of us won. But you were closer to winning. Yeah, but, but we didn't. I, I will place a bet right now that Arch Manning is going number one overall. When, when he, as soon as he declares eligible, number one. I'm telling you right now, here on the 29th of August, 2023. It's going to happen. I, I love the Manons. The Manons are one of the reasons I got into NFL. My, my college team is all Miss. I'll take the field. <laughs> That's how confident I am that anything can happen in the next two, three years that I'll take the field. It's it's a, a worthwhile investment. Yeah. Uh-huh. All right. Well, I mean, I mean, what do you think, Patrick? Do you think I'm talking garbage? There is a definite amount of hype associated with the draft that influences some of the levels that we see players go. And that explains why you end up with some of the busts that you do, because it comes about from having really good agents to build that image to push them up those draft boards as much as they say, oh, it's you know, really professional, great scouting in every team throughout the league. Well, yeah, well we know that doesn't that. explain what we see on draft night. Exactly. So, uh, yeah. And uh, topically... Matthew Wright from your bet of that season has just been cut by the Panthers. So uh, <laughs> I think both of the quarterbacks involved in that um, particular wager are now on the cut list of today. See, it's, I, I don't want, I don't want to just like not talk about the news in the NFL. I don't want to talk about that. But sticking with this for a second, the Arch Manning thing, and it's it's only going to be a second. I promise. I'm not going to have you here all night, guys. Let's not forget that sons of former players always get hyped more than ones who are not. They will. They're going to get hyped more. Christian McCaffrey in the draft. Ed McCaffrey. Clay Matthews. I'm sorry? Clay Matthews. Yeah, absolutely Clay Matthews. What, is he the third Clay Matthews? Was Mm -hmm. he the third one? Yeah. Um, uh, Metcalf. Terry Metcalf. Eric Metcalf. You know. It's going to happen. Pat Sertan. Pat Sertan the second. 
we know it's going to happen. When I heard Christian McCaffrey, the name McCaffrey, I was like, I wonder if he's related to Ed McCaffrey. Oh, he is? Well, then the Broncos should sign him. Just because he's related to Ed McCaffrey, was well, his son. Now that was it. I was like, I, I want, I want Christian McCaffrey because he's Ed McCaffrey. So I didn't care how good he was because I don't watch college football. I don't have the means to watch college football. So I, I've never seen it. I've never seen a game of college football in my entire life. I, that's a lie. That's a lie. I did watch one once. I forget what it was on a recording, but. You know, so I, I don't know any of these players. I just look at the stats. And I know the stats don't tell the whole story. I get that. But you look at some of the stats and you go, that's just so pedestrian that there's no way that this guy should be a top five pick. You know, there's just no way. And then you look at other guys and you look at the stats and go, what? Look at this. Absolutely incredible. And then they turn out to be below average in the NFL. We see it all the time. It's just um, it's 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 situational. As Patrick said, if uh, Anthony Richardson had stayed, things wouldn't have got too much better for him with the team he's on. Stetson Bennett won like what back-to-back national championships was it? Mm-hmm. You know, AJ McCarron. You know, for Bama, just because you play on a good team and you get good stats, especially in college, especially a quarterback in college, where you just space out forward wide receivers and you just throw the ball sixty yards every play because they just don't play defense. The stats don't don't mean anything in college, so I I wouldn't go by stats. Um, you know, I I don't judge Anthony Richardson on his stats in terms of what was it thirteen touchdowns, nine interceptions. That that doesn't worry me. It's just that the the trend of of one year kind of stints worries me, and I'm hoping he kind of puts that to bed nice and early. Yeah, sure, he's got a cannon. Can he hit any ships? <laughs> just 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 to put it into perspective for a lot of people here. In Tim Tebow's final year in college, um, played 14 games, 70% completion, 21 touchdowns, five picks. You know, Must college, be a Hall of Famer. Hall of Famer, surely. Just going by in, the stats. In the college football, maybe. Well, yeah, he's definitely in college football. My goodness. My goodness. Uh, so anyway, that's that taken care of. That took a lot longer than I thought it was going to take. <laughs> I should really check in uh, the old Twitter X and see if anyone else has been released or cut, or uh, what on earth is happening. Um, what else have we missed, Jake? Any other news? The Cardinals, again, doubling down on tanking, even though they're totally not tanking. No, they're Colt not McCoy, tanking. the veteran, uh, McCoy, the veteran, cut. They traded a fifth-round pick for Joshua Dobbs and a seventh. So, for the Cardinals, we still don't know who the starter is. It's either going to be Joshua Dobbs or Clayton Toon. Um, what a battle this is going to be. Um, again, it's just... Oh, poor Cardinals fans. Poor Cardinals fans. I mean, this year, it's just... At least your team isn't pretending to be good. And I, I respect that. Because I hate... And it's been the same way with Saints sometimes. Where your team thinks they're legit. And the Colts, are the, I would say, are probably one of the worst for the last couple of years. They keep going after these quarterbacks. We're, we're a quarterback away. You're not. But they keep thinking they're a quarterback. And Cardinals are just like, no, no, we're we're screwed. And we're just going to admit we're screwed. And we're going to hire a rookie head coach. We're going to use a quarterback called Clayton Toon. Uh, we'll see you next year. And fair, fair play to them, you know? Oh, yeah, I suppose. <laughs> fair play to them. I, I would rather, I'd rather, I'd rather someone be honest to me, you know? Don't, don't lie to me and say, oh, we're going to be good. Don't, yeah. don't you worry. We are a quarterback. We're going to be good. Stick with us. You know, don't worry. 
we'll go ten and, and seven. We'll win a playoff game. Don't, don't stick with us. At least the Cardinals are just going. Yeah, don't just don't. You know, I, enjoy your weekend this year. I don't think it's about th- <laughs> I think it's about three weeks ago when I asked uh, Dave, um, "Who's the worst team in the NFL?" Do you think? And there was no hesitation on his part. It was like it's Cardinals. Cardinals are going to be. He's just glad there's someone else other than the Rams tanking. That's very true. I mean, I think that the Rams aren't tanking. The Rams are just kind of reaping what they sowed and said, "Yeah, we got a Super Bowl." We'll just kind of sit this one out for a while whilst we try and figure out what on earth we want to do with all these contracts. Yeah, yeah. they've looked absolutely stinking in the off season, haven't they? Yeah, really, really bad. A um, couple of other quarterback moves. I noticed a, the Cincinnati Bengals have released Trevor Simeon. I liked Trevor Simeon. Um, so they now have Joe Burrow and Jake Browning, that two quarterbacks in Cincinnati and the Cleveland Browns have parted ways with quarterback Kellen Mond um, amongst others there so it's it's all going thick and fast now Jake with regards to the the uh, roster cuts can we keep up with this at all I mean there's some surprise once the Texans released inside linebacker Christian Kirksey he was a team captain last year he was I mean you see you see some moves and you're like okay you know kind of on the edge veteran but that was a team captain last year that one kind of took me by surprise the Giants releasing James Robinson again I mean I know they've got Saquon now so they you know the need for a running back isn't as key but James Robinson if he could stay healthy is you know a, a good option so you do see some names come up and you think wow that's that's a bit of a shock I mean I feel really sorry had- for J-Rob because they released him after he carried four jets for an eight-yard run in the final preseason game and you're like how much work do you need to do as a running back to uh, justify your place on a team? Apparently more than dragging five men halfway down a field. It's just... The last it's really season sad when... It's just a mess. Because you see, the Cowboys basically told Will Greer, you know, we've traded for Trey Lance, we're going to cut you. But then they let him play basically the entire fourth... Uh, well, the, the entire preseason game, the last preseason game, obviously, is only three now, not four. But and he lit it up, and it's just like, what, what for? Like he's going to end up on a practice squad of someone. But like the the, the last preseason game just seems to be, we're going to cut you, so we're going to give you a chance to like perform and maybe someone picks you up, which I suppose in a in some ways a good thing. Yeah, in some sort of weird and warped way, I think it's exactly what's happened because I think that's what happened with Albert Okwebenam. I think the I think the Broncos mm-hmm. knew they were going to cut him because there's no way they cut him on on the strength of his performance in week three. He destroyed the Rams single handedly. So they're obviously thinking, listen, we're going to trade you, so we're going to feature you, so that you can get a better deal or that we can get a better deal for you. More like, but then they cut him, so it's not that. Um, maybe you'll go to the Rams, um, and then you have um, I saw the scene to release Bradley Roby. It's cornerback. Yeah, it's gone. A couple of hours ago, it was all we're looking to trade him. It's like, okay, I'll be interested to see mm-hmm. what we get. But th- this is the second year in a row we are basically starting with a completely new, like, kind of nickel cornerback. We had Chancey Gardner Johnson. He's off. We we got rid of him. We now got rid of Bradley Roby. So obviously, Dennis Allen's very good with the defense. Our defense coordinator is very sure, and our secondary has been pretty lights out. I mean, I think we were second in the league in terms of pass defense last year, but starting a third year in a row with a, a, a different slot guy is bold. And to think, you know, you see a lot of these trades, you know, sevenths. I mean, Joshua Dobbs fetched a fifth. Tell me you couldn't get a pick for Bradley Roby. I, I, I don't believe that. Um, I don't believe that at all. The Cowboys have traded Kelvin Joseph for Noah. Oh, my word. 
Egg Bonogany. <laughs> Nailed it. Not egg, the train egg that the dolphins were looking for. Oh, I, I totally messed that up. I should have just left. <laughs> um, the Ravens are released offensive tackle David Sharp. The Eagles have released running back Trey Sermon. The Raiders have released uh, Keelan Cole and Philip Dorsett. Um, but both could be... I'm just putting out there now. If if the Eagles trade for Jonathan Taylor, I'm, I'm done with the NFL this year. I'm not watching it. It's not fair. I'm not watching it. I'm not doing it. I'm very, very sick of the Eagles trading for everyone and doing great business. If they get Jonathan Taylor, I'm out. Quite right. There's no way the Eagles are paying a running back as much as they would need to to get Jonathan Taylor. No. no. Well, they're paying, no. I, I said, said earlier in the offseason, they're mm-hmm. paying their like five deep running back room less money than Miles Sanders is getting in the Panthers. And they've got some good running backs in that room. They've got Rashad Penny amongst others. And they're paying like four or five running backs less than Miles Sanders is getting paid. So somehow the Eagles will do it. Somehow Harry Roseman will trade a seventh and season tickets and then he'll pay Jonathan Taylor in like, I don't know, he'll pay him in like coupons and somehow it'll work. (laughs) And I'm sick. I'm sick to my stomach. Uh, another I'm couple glad of I'm a little bit further than the Eagles. <laughs> another couple of things. The Bears are releasing quarterback Nathan Peterman, but they want him on the practice squad. I don't know why. I, I don't He's know. He's a young up and coming talent, isn't he? It's just ridiculous. Um, First guy in, last guy out, coach's son. Just a hard working guy. Yeah. The the Raiders are releasing running back Damian Williams. Um, and mm. also we're looking here, it says that the NFL has placed Jaguars defensive back Chris Claybrooks, uh, who was arrested on a domestic battery charge, on the commissioner's exempt list. He may not practice or attend any games whilst on the list. So it's all kicking off here. I don't know, I've probably missed 10 things. Patrick, and, and you're Jaguars. They've had a pretty good off-season so far. What are you expecting to happen uh, over the next day or two with regards to these roster cuts. Is there any players that, if they released him, not that you'd be shocked, you know, they're not going to release Trevor Lawrence, Travis Etienne, but, you know, is there any players <laughs> that you particularly like that you want to see there that you're like, I really hope they don't cut this guy? Yeah, I thought Nathan Rourke might have passed CJ Bethard for the QB2 role. He's already been released, so apparently not. And despite his good showings in preseason, Doug Pedersen was very much no. Beth is our number two, so that's not a surprise. They cut a guy called Garrett Prince, who'd been getting really, having his praises really sung by the coaching staff all off-season. Now, that's not a massive surprise because he was on the practice squad last year, but I was expecting them to keep four tight ends, and I was expecting Prince to be one of those four, so it looks like that might go to three. It might be an extra wide receiver stays on the roster, and given the depth of the wide receiver room, that wouldn't be a massive surprise. They have cut... Uh, Jordan Smith, who they traded up to draft for in the Urban Meyer draft, took him in the fourth. He was expected by some of the JAG staff to be taking that step after finally getting over the injury he picked up at the end of his college career. Just a really big athletic pass rusher, and our pass rush department is pretty questionable and people were expecting Caleb on chase on to finally be out of the door having not produced anything yet in his uh, much to speak of in his professional career and someone like Jordan Smith to be taking that chance and despite not showing much in this preseason either chase on is still sticking around the roster so there must be some 
behind the scenes stuff and special scene stuff that we don't see with him that keeps him that roster spot. Um, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see where everything goes there. Uh, a couple of first rounders got in cut today from other sides that took me by surprise. Uh, Alex Leatherwood continues the tradition of uh, Raiders first round drafts picks that are terrible and he's been cut by the team he moved to after the Raiders waved him. Nikhil Harry's gone as well, which uh, was a, a draft miss on the part of the Patriots back in the day and still hasn't managed to find anywhere to stick despite his uh, stature. Interesting ones. Very interesting. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I was listening to, to last week's podcast and, and Dave announcing that Stetson Bennett is the, the best name in the NFL. He obviously fought, forgot about Smoke Monday, Smoke who on. sadly has been cut. Oh. Uh, the Saints are hoping he makes it through to the, the practice squad and he, he probably will. So long live Smoke Monday. But Jalen Smith was uh, cut by the Saints as well and they're hoping he makes it through to practice squad, but he will not make it through to the practice squad. I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up at someone like the Texans after they cut Kirksey, but Jalen Smith, second round pick for the, the Cowboys, kind of flashed early and then bottomed out and then looked like he was going to get a second chance with the Saints, but cut. So we'll see, see what happens with him, but I would, would be very surprised if he makes it through to, to the practice squad. So uh, My favourite name in the draft last year, Bumper Pool got cut as well for the Carolina Panthers. <laughs> when does, you don't uh, get many Bumper Pools, do you? No. <laughs> when does General Booty come out? Uh, is, is it next college year? college quarterback... Next, yeah, year. next year general booty general booty what a name see i spoke about this oh weeks ago weeks ago uh maybe months ago and and i should never underestimate a guy's name in the nfl you know you hear some players names and you're like yeah it's just not gonna work and then you hear other players name you're like that's that's the name i can hear 20 years from now in canton general booty it's just too good. That's on neither of these lists. It's just like, right, it's off on its own list. General Booty, it's amazing. What a name. Who would not draft General Booty? If you asked a lot of casual NFL fans who Ahmad Gardner is, they wouldn't have a clue. Everybody just knows him as Sauce Gardner. He's the sauce. He's the sauce. You know, he's got the chain. He's dripped in sauce. He's, you know, if you said oh, Ahmad Gardner, they'd be like, who? No, is he like... Yeah. See a kicker? I'm at, I'm at Gardner. It's not, it's not a great name. If we learn anything, anything from last year's draft, it's that if you go into the draft with the nickname Tank, you're getting drafted. <laughs> <laughs> tank. Oh, that's quite ironic, really, isn't it? Yeah. Do you it's, know? Uh, like Tank for Tank. After the drift. So you get like a quarterback whose nickname's Tank and he's going to be the projected first overall pick. Tanking for Tank. That's some of the Cardinals would do. They're not tanking, <laughs> just saying. Clearly not, but uh, yeah, that's the kind of thing they would do. Um, right, is there any more news <laughs> before we move on? It's so hard, everything's just jumping around here. Stop, stop cutting people. I think we're okay. I think we're all right. So, gentlemen, would we like to uh, attempt some random stats? Very much so. Yeah. So, of course, it is time for... Random Stats. Random Stats. Um, I'll go first this week, if you don't mind. Unless, is anyone, sorry, Patrick, would you particularly like to go first? 
That's fine. You go ahead. I'm this... slightly nervous. Mine will get taken because it's slightly topical. But you know, that's oh, the risk. Oh, I am very nervous. Then, <laughs> do you, you want to go first? Right, maybe second. Then, <laughs> mine's also. To- I always try and be topical, but I'm. I have a feeling, man and Patrick's. This could be the I, year. This could be the episode. This could be the episode where you find overlap. So I'll tell you what. To, to make it fun, up. I've got a backup. I'll, I'll go first to make it okay. fun, just in case. Um. So my random stat concerns. Running backs, funnily enough. Um, we both need a sigh of relief. <laughs> yeah. And it con- concerns yards per attempt. Now, I had a look through the, the annals of history in the NFL. Um, since the merger, because I'm not going back to the 1930s, since the merger, the highest yards per attempt uh, which is, I believe, a minimum of 100 carries in a season. Michael Vick in 2006, 8.4 yards per carry. No real surprise there. It's a year he went for over 1,000 yards. We then come to Randall Cunningham, 1990. He went for 8 yards per carry. We then have Michael Vick again, third place, 7.5 yards per carry. This is since, since the, the, the merger. And I was thinking, hmm, a lot of quarterbacks on this list. So I, I carried on going down. We've got 2014 Russell Wilson, then 2022 Justin Fields. And I was like, okay, so we keep going. We've got Michael Vick again, 2002. Then we've got Bobby Douglas in 1972 for Chicago. And I was like, excellent. Forgetting he's a quarterback because he was a quarterback. I was like, oh, no. Then Lamar Jackson, 2019 and 2022. Then Robert Griffin the third. Then Michael Vick in 2010. You have to go all the way back to 1973 to find a running back. He's actually 30th all time for um, for uh, yards per carry in a season. And it was Mercury Morris of the 1973 Miami Dolphins who led the league with 6.4 yards per carry. And that is my random stat. Every other player in that list is a quarterback. Nice wild and i guess it kind of makes sense because it's easier to get those consistent decent yardage things when people aren't expecting quite as much as when you're handing off to the running back but still to be as long as that is yeah shocking yeah and so he's, he's as i say 30th on the list the top running back since the merger is 30th on the list and that was in 1973 uh, then you actually got in 32nd places the next one's Jamal Charles in 2010 who went 6.4 then you start getting into running backs in the sixes but 6.4 from Mercury Morris um, in 1973 uh, it was, is the top the reason he's above Jamal Charles is because he did it first uh, so since the merger uh, 1973 6.4 yards per carry is the best that a running back has done uh, since the merger so yeah, that's that's it. Just goes to show you, but Michael Vick crops up a lot in that list, like an awful lot. I, I tell you, who doesn't Jalen Hurts? You, you know, QB sneak it. You QB sneak it one yard every time. That, that kills your average. You, yeah, you know, <laughs> it's it's very effective in fourth and short, and third and short, and fourth and short. But it's it's not very good on third and fifteen, unfortunately. So um. Who would like to go next? Who wants to run the risk of upsetting someone else for their random stat? Well, let Patrick go, because I do have a backup if it is fine. 
Okay, Patrick, it is all yours. Much, what is your uh, random stat? Much appreciated, Jake. Now, I was, I was checking the old spreadsheet for this one to make sure that no one had had it before. And while I was doing that, I found that um, Dave had used the same one on episodes 59 and 63. So I don't feel so bad if we have oh, the same one in the shit. same episode. Did he? I know, shocking, isn't it? <laughs> I would have been there and I don't remember that. That's absolutely horrendous. That's only like 10 weeks ago. Oh, they were a month apart, though, to be fair. But yeah, the, That's um, even worse. <laughs> the reason I noticed it is because this one also involves Dak Prescott. So I got thinking about the Trey Lance trade and the jeopardy of taking quarterbacks high in the draft. And I was wondering about how draft position is reflected in number of wins in a quarterback's rookie season if they are to start. So I went and had a look at the list and top of the tree are Dak Prescott and Ben Roethlisberger, both with 13 wins in their rookie seasons. So we have a fourth round, 135th overall, and a first round, 11th overall in those two. And then you drop down the list through the top 10 and you've got Russell Wilson, Matt Ryan, Joe Flacco with 11. That's a third rounder and a couple of first rounders. And then with 10, you drop down a little bit further and you've got Mac Jones and Lamar Jackson, Kyle Orton. So that's another couple of first rounders and a fourth rounder. And God, it was a miracle Mac Jones managed 10 wins in his rookie season. It's a miracle that Kyle Orton managed 10 wins in his career. Yeah, (laughs) quite. It just tells you that, like, all right, we've got two thirds of the top nine are first rounders, but only two inside the top 10 with uh, Andrew Luck and Matt Ryan. And that kind of makes sense when you think like to be picking that high, you have to have been pretty stinking and it's hard to turn it around to generate those wins with a rookie quarterback if you're going to start them that soon. So perhaps it shouldn't be surprised that the things end up the way they end up, but I'm the jeopardy of investing that much in your key position and what we've seen over the years is that picking well is better than picking high you see that with Peyton Manning and Troy Aikman their rookie years were shambolic they were you know if it was in modern day they would be getting called a bust you know people would be writing them off because their rookie years were rocky and they'd obviously both turn out to be Hall of Famers in yeah. the room, right? You're right. And Sorry. then you see... So, sorry, Jay, carry on. No, I should say you'll see this year. What were you saying? Obviously, you pick first because you're the worst team, so it's a terrible place to inherit. Well, the Panthers obviously picked first, and they were supposed to be ninth, but the Panthers are still a pretty meh team. So it'll be very interesting to see how, how Bryce Young gets on because he's kind of a, a number one pick who's not gone to the worst team in the NFL. Hmm. Yeah, no, I was just uh, picking up on your, your point about Troy Aikman. They were 3-13 in 1988. They're the top pick in the draft. Got Troy Aikman. They went 1-15. Yeah. The following year, they went 5-11. Do you know, it's... it's they, they were awful. But he was given time mm-hmm. to, 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 to play. At one Think point, he was benched. Um, Steve Burline took over from i think in 1991 i could be wrong about that uh but yeah troy aikman was was awful first overall pick and he was awful but then the team were awful it was like the 
it was almost similar to the um, Trevor Lawrence scenario, mm. 2020. He was, he looked terrible to the point where I was thinking, I'm not sure this guy's actually any good. And boy, was I wrong. Like, seriously wrong. He really showed last year, um, not all year long, but some good stretches there where you thought, yeah, there's a reason this guy was selected and hyped so much. He, he can really turn it on. Let's not forget Joe Burrow in his first year was terrible because he had a rotten offensive line. Yeah, offensive line, yeah. So, yeah. Well, I think the interesting one is the Cardinals. I mean, they had Josh Rosen. They sucked. Then they drafted again. They got Kyle Murray. Now, Kyle Murray's shown promise, but he's been injured. And now, it's no, you know, <laughs> the Cardinals are tanking. They're going to take a court. You know, they get number one pick. They're going to take Caleb Williams. And they're going to try and trade, you know, Kyle Murray for, for some kind of cash back on it. But, you know, like you say, the Cowboys stuck with Aikman. The Colts stuck with Peyton Manning. It was a case of, you know, if, how easy would it have been, especially if that was in the modern day, if that was, you know, 2019, if Troy Aikman went to a 3-13 and team and then went 1-15, they would take another quarterback now. Well, yeah. You just don't get the time. You don't get the, the grace. No. Um, Everyone's like, even ourselves, they mock, you know, how, how does Trey Lance lose to Sam Darnold? Sam Darnold, you know, is this, Sam Darnold's that. Well, he went to a terrible Jets team. Sam Darnold, especially in a Kyle Shanahan offense, could be a good quarterback. He could be a Jimmy G type quarterback. And, but because we've only ever seen him at the Jets, it's like, oh, he's, he's, he's rubbish. And, and Sam Darnold was a third overall pick. Mm-hmm. Just like Trey Lance. But he was at the Jets. And as we know, the Jets is a, just a. It, it it seems almost every year quarterbacks just absolutely stink it up there. It'll be interesting to see what he you shall not be named does in New York this year. It'll be very interesting to see. Um, and I know we're all going to see it because they're getting primetime games, and I don't want to see it, but it, it's it's gonna it's gonna I, I happen. I don't think I don't think it's a fair comparison at all. Because you see, books sucked for years, and the quarterbacks sucked for years, and they went got Tom Brady. They go out and get all these free agents. They go out and get all this offensive line it's, help. Then, of course, they're better. Aaron Rodgers has got Delvin Cook. They've yeah. traded for wide receivers. They've picked up wide receivers. They've done often. You know, it's not a fair comparison. If, if Aaron Rodgers goes eleven wins, twelve wins this year, it wouldn't be fair to say, "Oh, well, Sam Donald couldn't have done that." If you gave Sam Donald this much. And, you know, you tried to help him as much as you've helped Aaron Rodgers or you helped Tom Brady. He might have been able to get, you know, maybe about 12 wins, maybe about 10. If Sam Darnold had gone on to that Bucks team, they may still have made the playoffs. Mm-hmm. He had an all-pro running back. He had an all-pro left tackle. He had an all-pro wide receiver. He had a Pro Bowl wide receiver on the other side. He had an all-pro tight end, another all-pro receiver. I mean, yeah, let's not kid ourselves on here. That Bucks team was stacked. Pro Bowlers and all pros, top to bottom. I could have won four games with that team. Okay, maybe not. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, really, I mean, you had guys like Mike Evans, and you had Leonard Fournette there, and you had Godwin, and you had Rob Gronkowski, who was there, and he was, Rob Gronkowski was still great. I, I don't, I, I'm not here, people say, oh, he was old, he was, yeah, he'd lost half a step, but Gronk, half a step, still better than 70% of the tight ends in the league. And Antonio Brown could still play. We saw that. And um, Cameron Breit was there. And then you had uh, Justin Worfs turned out to be an absolute steal in the draft for them. I mean, I know they, they drafted him. Uh, I forget exactly where it was. He was a first-round pick, but 
I mean, the way he played, he could have been a top five pick. He was sensational that year. The entire offensive line was great. The defense was monstrous for that Bucks team. You're right, Jake. It's nothing like Brady going to the Buccaneers. Nothing like it. Especially now that um, Cody Davis is... Was it Cody Davis? Yeah. And now he's mm-hmm. retiring. So the, I can't the, believe last week you said he was the best wide receiver on the Jets. That is scandalous. Well, who do you think is the best wide receiver on the Jets? Uh, Garrett Wilson? Uh, yeah, arguably, yeah. Did he not win, like, rookie of the offensive yeah, rookie of the year? Rookie of the year, yeah. R- rookie. He's helped I, by playing in New York. He was helped by playing across from Cody oh, Davis. Seriously. I mean, if we could pull up the stats, I think it's scandalous that you think he was better than, than Garrett Wilson, Corey Davis. Um, 83 receptions to 32. 1,100 yards to 500. Yeah, but that's four touchdowns to two, twenty-seven, twenty-plus to thirteen. I mean, yeah. it, the, the stats are not oh, even. St- oh, hang on, are we going by stats uh, now, Jake? I thought we weren't allowed to go by stats. For wide receivers, <laughs> for wide receivers, when you're saying Corey Davis was the best wide receiver on the Jets, I need to get some stats out <laughs> well, just, just to say how. He had, he had like a third. He had like half the receptions. That's not his fault. They don't throw him the ball. I did hear that and think um, if I had the choice between the two of them for one to take to the Jaguars, it would be uh, Garrett Wilson 10 times out of 10. I will stand and die on this hill. I've seen Corey Davis playing for Tennessee for so long. They they never gave him the ball. Of all the hills I expected someone to die on, this is not one of them. It's because I I, I watched the guy. He was dynamite. They just never gave him the ball. It was like, perfect example. Perfect example. Comparison. Philip Lindsay was five times better than Melvin Gordon with the Denver Broncos, and they wouldn't give him the ball. So Melvin Gordon had all the stats. So they cut Philip Lindsay. He was way better, but he never got the carries, so they cut him. Exactly. And so what, ha- um, what happened to Philip Lindsay after? I did, out, out of the league. Well, maybe they weren't so crazy. They, they were, they were, and, and the Colts never gave him the ball. And the Texans never gave him the ball. You're like, he's the best running back you've got on there, the Texans. The best running back you've point, got. some point, you've got to look in the mirror. If three teams aren't giving you the ball, De- then there's something. The yeah, I mean, maybe he's got an attitude problem. Maybe he doesn't get on well with the coaches. Maybe he doesn't get on well with the play callers. Doesn't change the fact that he was the best player that they had. The best running back they had. And it wasn't close. His yards per carry were way above Melvin Gordon's. And to this day, in like three different leagues where he's played in now, he's never fumbled. Melvin Gordon's fumbled. Cost us half a dozen games <laughs> by himself. Well, you anyway, can't fumble so if you don't get the ball. I'm getting, I'm getting, <laughs> getting all heads I'm rallying you up. Okay, you are rallying you up. You're a <laughs> bad man, Jake. Anyway, uh, I forgot. What, what was your stat about again? <laughs> QB wins. QB wins. Rookie QB yeah, wins. Yeah, rookie QB wins. See, I, I listen. I was listening, <laughs> but I got... a long time ago, to be fair. I got sidetracked. <laughs> I got sidetracked. So there you are. Anyway, thank you for that stat, Pat. I appreciate it. Jake, what's... <laughs> Don't you wind me up anymore. Don't you do it. What's your random stat, Pat? Well, mine is topical about preseason. So thankfully... Me and Patrick avoided being the first people to have the same stat on the same show. So, bullet dodged. Uh, Mine is focusing on teams who went undefeated in the preseason. 
this year, even though it's only three games, it's still a feat. The Jacksonville Jaguars, the Washington Commanders, and the Pittsburgh Steelers. So, you know, a round of applause for going undefeated in preseason. Well done. Especially the Commanders, who ruined by life by taking the, the Ravens' streak. I think it was the Commanders anyway, and it was, that it was really upset me. I nearly shed a tear when I saw. I woke up and saw that the, the Commanders had beat the Ravens, and I thought, well... That's the the greatest start of, of history dead, and I said it the week before, so I felt responsible. I believe the Bills were on 10 games as well, and they lost. So it's definitely not going to be broken anytime soon. But my random start is not just to congratulate those three teams. It's to bring them right back down to earth. My favorite preseason NFL stat. I know the Lions and the Browns <laughs> went 4-0 in the preseason. The same year they went 0-16 in the regular season. So those two years, well, well, the separate years where the Lions went 0-16 and the Browns went 0-16 in the preseason, they both went undefeated. So think of all the hype coming out of Detroit and Cleveland. We finally got a good team, undefeated in the preseason, 0-16. I don't see any of those teams going 0-17. I'm very high on the Jaguars. I've picked Trevor Lawrence to be my MVP. Uh, I'm very high on the Steelers because they've got Mike Tomlin. The Commanders... uh, They've got a pretty yeah. easy schedule. They'll that, win a they're game. They're not going winless. There's <laughs> no way. They've got Eric Bieniemy. They'll be fine. They will be fine. Yeah, that's that's a oh. good start. That was that would have been the 2008 Lions and the 2013 Browns. I'll take your word for Which it. Which one did I get wrong there? I got one of them wrong. I think I got the Browns wrong. Oh, I don't. I don't know. I, I, I just saw that and I thought. That's, I feels cursed, but the the list of those three teams, I, I feel like the 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 Lions and the the Browns are not getting any new company anytime soon. I don't think so. It's harder to go winless now because of the seventeen. It's impressive to go winless. I mean, you saw the Texans last year when there's nothing to play for, if anything, incentivized to lose, and they go on win the game. Players don't want to lose. Coaches don't want to lose. GMs and owners, sure. If you can't win a game, like you need to be lined up and shot, like just take them out back and just. Do you think maybe that's why the Cardinals, who are not tanking, by the way, do you think that's not why the Cardinals <laughs> are just shipping everyone? <laughs> it's like we're not oh, even going to risk winning a game this year. Just, oh, they're, they're desperate to avoid losing. Sorry, beating the Rams in mid-October. <laughs> uh, bonus kind of like news: Isaiah Simmons got traded for a seventh round. He was. A former first rounder, linebacker, safety, kind of hybrid. Cardinals got rid of him. So they sent him to the Giants. They sent him to Wink Martindale, who's going to probably turn him into a pro bowler. Isaiah Simmons might win. He might just win like comeback player of the year because he's going to be all over the pitch for the Giants. I I guarantee he has like 60, 70. He probably has more tackles than any player on the Cardinals. Actually, that's a lie. Cardinals will have lots of tackles because they will be on defense a lot. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Sorry, Carlos. That was a really rough couple of minutes for you there. That was uh, that 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 was that was pretty. Just rough getting ready for the season, but uh, yeah, yeah, it's going to be a long season. It it is. You know, actually, I don't know any Cardinals fans, but this is going to be really tough. And you know, barring a miracle, barring a miracle, which miracles do happen, but barring a miracle, this is going to be a rough season for the Cardinals. Uh, I can't see them winning many games at all here. They could well be uh, definitely in the mix for the first first pick in the draft. The way things, even just the last couple of weeks, you're looking and thinking, what are they doing? They're not tanking. 
But um, if, it's just... Yeah, so if, if the Cardinals get six, seven wins, I think Gannon should just win culturally no matter what. If they're playing Joshua Dobbs or Clayton Toon with this offense and they get six, seven wins, that's, that's culturally immaterial. Definitely. Taking this team to five, six wins, seven wins, that would be, un- that's unthinkable. That really is for this team. It's just, it's, it's unthinkable. Yeah. Uh, Patrick, do you have anything else that you wanted to, do you wanted to add there, mate? I mean, that feels pretty thorough, doesn't it? I'm, uh, yeah, the, the, um, Isaiah Simmons trade just underlines how draft hype can be misleading because that draft was him and the, corner who went to the Lions and then disappeared from view. I mean, he did have an injury as well, but it just goes to show, like, draft type can mislead you so badly. So try not to get drawn into it. Um, breaking news, the Baltimore Ravens have released running back <laughs> Melvin Gordon. Probably fumbled hey, to as well. <laughs> so, yeah, there you go. There you go. So Melvin Gordon is one of those guys that another team will pick him up. Someone else will pick him up, and then he'll fumble loads, and they'll be like, oh, I don't know why he's fumbling all the time. Because you don't watch the tape. You don't watch this guy. will cost you games. He'll cost you games. He'll hurt you more than he helps you. It's not just like some guy who does average just three yards a carry and doesn't do very much. He will actively lose you games. Melvin Gordon should not play in the NFL. Philip Lindsay should. Anyway, I'm just saying... Uh, so yeah that's uh, that's a the ravens have released melvin gordon that just happened Uh, hang on it's supposed to come again another trade broncos traded tight end albert oh and a 2025 seven round pick to the eagles oh my word for a 2025th six round pick per sources the eagles pick up that's better than just releasing them i suppose it is it is um they, they treat him and a seventh for a sixth. Although that is from Adam Schefter. So. Sure. What was that? Sorry, Patrick. I'd rather be on the Eagles end of that deal. Um, yeah, it's funny that, that, you know, the last couple of years, I'm saying, wow, the other team did really well out of that. <laughs> What's going on? Um, that That's a big pickup for the Eagles. Al- Albert Doe is a, a great athlete. He's a fantastic athlete. He's really not had the chance in Denver to show it. And now he's gone to a team and I think he is going to do really well because I think he doesn't need to stretch the field because they've got speedy wide receivers already. He just needs to be a big target. And particularly in the red zone, he can do really, really well for them. So there you go. That's uh, Albert Dobin traded to the, the, the Eagles. My goodness. I'm kind of... I kind of don't want to finish the podcast because we're doing looking at these as they're coming in, <laughs> but we're going to have to finish. 17 minutes for Jonathan Taylor. Is it 17 se- minutes is it for Jonathan Taylor. So oh, no. we'll, we'll end this podcast and then he'll get traded to so, somebody. Well, let, do you want to stretch this out? I can stretch this out for 17 minutes. No bother. We can do that. Well, if they, until, they just leave him on the pub list and he doesn't get traded, it's going to be the biggest anti-climax of all time. <laughs> yeah. uh, oh, th- that's, nothing. That's very true, actually, because you have to think that, you know, what's going on. So hang on. But it said that they were waving him four hours ago. They, they mm-hmm. waved. No, they were waving, uh, but now he's been traded to the Eagles. I mean, they get, they get a sixth round pick. That's the Eagles don't have to fight waiver wire 
they give up what a sixth, they get a seventh back. It, it was best for both teams. The Broncos get something. It's it's practically nothing, but the Broncos get something, and the Eagles don't have to fight for him or offer him a contract. They 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 have him, so it's just it's just easier for them. Yeah, I it underlines see... why he got so many targets in the previous game, right? Or how much game time he got in the previous game? You get him in the shop window just before the uh, deadline for everything. Yeah, yeah. Um, now I I mentioned earlier about how like the Broncos had they've got three blocking tight ends. Obviously, all the the problems at wide receiver, the injuries-wise, but I will say the rookie Marvin Mims looked really good for the Broncos in that last game. He's a fast guy. Um, and the other fellow is Brandon Johnson, but Marvin Mims looks like he can uh, return kicks as well, which is definitely good news for him. Uh, it's not really good news. Oh, also, Lil Jordan Humphrey... Jake, I know you know that name. Um, he looked good as well. But it's bad news for Montreal Washington, who was basically on the squad to return kicks uh, the past year or so, and hasn't looked great. And I think he actually fumbled in, in uh, game two. But Marvin Mims was returning kicks uh, in week three there. So that, that might free up some space or free up our space there uh, for the Broncos. I'm amazed you've not traded for Traycon Smith. Because the Saints wide receiver room is, is deep. Someone's got to get cut or moved. And we might. Sean Payton loves Sean Payton loves former Saints. He drafted Trey Smith. I, I I would that'd be one I would keep an eye out for. Well, I mean, so Trey Smith I'd be amazed. When, when did he come into the league? Twenty when eight, twenty nineteen. He's been Yeah, two, three years? Been a while. He's just Twenty eighteen was his rookie year. Twenty eighteen. Twenty. Oh, shit! I didn't think it was this. So he has been oh, around the block. It? Yeah. So it is really just like he's, uh, Pete, and if they do make a trade from, it's just like taking his Saints team, moving it to Denver. <laughs> That's what he's trying to do. Looks like it. Uh, the Bengals released punt returner. A slightly undersized quarterback. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Bengals released punt returner wide receiver a uh, Trent Taylor. Um, yet over five punts of 20 plus yards last punt returns of 20 plus yards last year also averaged 14 and a half yards per return um, and he has been released I I always wonder when teams release players that you think they could definitely definitely get something for him and then they cut him and, and you think why would they do that why would they just cut a player that you think they can definitely get something for this guy. It's just, I'll never understand. Even if it's only a sixth rounder, or a, a, you know, moving up five places, swapping fourth rounders or something like that. Just, I don't understand it. I really don't. Um, I think we've got, I think that's the end of it. Von Miller, pop list. Von, Von Miller, it's on the pop list, so he's not going to be ready for the first four games. That, that's, that's something for you to talk about. So he's going to miss the first... He's obviously returning from his ACL. Von Miller, um, that might actually be good for him then, rather than trying to come back maybe a little bit early, being guaranteed those four extra weeks, that month of recovery for Von Miller, that could be a good thing for him. He's he's a game-changing player. And I know he's he's old now. Uh, he's old. He's not old. My goodness, he's younger than me by a long shot. But he's not the youngest player, and he's maybe lost half a step. But once again, a player of that caliber, Von Miller, 
losing half a step is better than 70% of edge rushers in the entire NFL. And I firmly <laughs> believe that. He's just, that's how good he is. Um, and he, he can change games like in, in a moment. He doesn't need to play a full game. He doesn't need to play every single defensive snap. 20 snaps in the game, boom, that's it. He comes up with two strip sacks and a fumble recovery. I don't know if he does that, but you know what I mean? You know exactly what I mean. Von Miller. I, I, I'm always going to love Von Miller. Always. Special place in my heart for Von Miller. Still, still no update on Jonathan Taylor. We have 11 minutes. Oh, can we? Can we? 11 minutes before he's guaranteed to miss the first four games. 11 minutes. Which is a bit of a that 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 is kind of hurting yourself because that's certainly going to bring down his trade value. If you go, you can have Jonathan Taylor, but he can't have him for the first four games. Surely that doesn't help anyone. What happens if they trade him and then put him on the pop list, like the second after they traded him? <laughs> it's like oh, well, if they traded him, they don't have their rights. That's true. True. What if they the do four games isn't that long, is it? Especially with his ankle, and I don't even know how ready he is. But you'd certainly, if you think you're trading for someone and you're giving up picks, you would want him to be available, even if he, okay, he might not be ready week one, he'd be ready week two, week three, rather than going, see you week five. You know, I've traded well, all no, this money to you. fresh Jonathan Taylor in week five. You've got to pay him. You've got to trade for him and you've got to pay him to keep him happy and you don't get to see him week, till week five. Demar, sure, you probably have a, a fresh one. Demar Hamlin makes the 53-man roster for the Bills. Mm, I don't think there was shocked. any surprise with that at all. Uh, the Jaguars have placed Cam Robinson on the reserve suspended list. Uh, again, no shock given what's already gone. What do you think of him as a player, um, Pat? What do you make of him as a player? Cam's an interesting one. So, like, they invested in him. Desperation is the wrong word, but, like, it was a new coaching staff. He was the veteran O-line presence, the kind of considered best player on that line. So he got slightly more than he was probably worth at that point. That meant they didn't have the money to invest in Juwan Taylor and they lost him to the Chiefs after arguably a better season than Cam's had and Cam got injured and then there was this um, banned substance taken that was part of a supplement for coming back from injury and he didn't know it was a constituent of that supplement seems to be the story so he's got a short ban as a result of that and rightly so. Um but this preseason, he's looked mediocre at best, and it's been concerning to see him look mediocre and be playing against other teams' twos and threes because the long term is banking on him to come back and uh, lead that offensive line along with um, the guard they got from the Cowboys, whose name I've forgotten. Um, Scherf, Brandon Scherf. So. It's concern when your veteran, um, most experienced offensive lineman is looking like he's struggling to come back from injury. Um, now, that means Anton Harrison, who they drafted in the first this year, has to step up and step up big and step up quickly. And it looks like he can, but that situation feels like it's been mismanaged and they're going to be struggling to recover from that from a couple more seasons yet. When you get players like that who are sort of on the fringe of... Uh, you know, as you mentioned, like maybe he's not the, the best player at his position. You've got another one there. It's it's quite difficult when you see a player like that. And as we've spoke about, you know, like the number five players at their positions. But if you've got guys like number three uh, at his position on your squad, 
you always want to keep that player there if you can obviously like we're completely disregarding personal issues here i'm just talking purely from a, a player perspective uh, when things happen uh injuries and stuff like that there's you always find that there are certain players at the position i remember years ago uh watching preseason and there was a running back by the name of juan thompson who played for the, the denver broncos and i loved this guy i thought he's absolutely amazing never made the team I think he like got practice squad and then he went up a game and someone got injured and then but he's a player that I followed and uh, you know keeping an eye on this guy's career and it just, nothing ever happened despite the fact that he looked amazing in preseason. Now another player that happened to me was uh, Chad Kelly. I loved Chad Kelly. He could play in preseason. He was really good and then he went he went mental and he broke into a vacuum cleaner or something well, i forget what he did the guy clearly wasn't well um but i i followed his career I, even after that i was like i hope he gets somewhere i like chad kelly nothing ever came of it and you know another one brett ripon and hang on a second i'm not mentioning like a lot of sons and nephews of former players again remember what i was telling you about earlier with sons and nephews of former players see you've, you've got to keep these things brett ripon oh. um, doesn't always and it's not great examples right there well, no, not what I'm saying. Those, <laughs> those, those players who like maybe like third in the depth charge, you know, they're not they're not going to be starters. Um, but like you, like you like the player, and you're like, I like this guy. I want him to do well. And see when they don't do well, or they do something stupid, and you're like, ah, I don't like that. I don't like seeing players that I like doing stupid things. I mean, I, generally we don't like to see any player doing stupid things but when they play for an opponent you know it's not that bad is it <laughs> take uh, all the guns through airports you want it's fine exactly I, I, I mean obviously you know that nobody gets hurt in these that we don't we're not saying that but yeah someone take those supplements place that bet what, what was that sonny i said take those supplements place that bet yeah i mean What's go for it like oh. yeah and, and as you said like trying to take a weapon onto an airplane <laughs> and then getting arrested you're like oh yeah it's a, if you're gonna be dumb be dumb for a team that i don't like you know so I, I've, I've got no issues with that whatsoever how are we doing for time jake five minutes five, five minutes, minutes and counting jonathan taylor the five. chiefs just released a running back is that gonna be I mean, if Jonathan Taylor goes to the Chiefs, the Eagles, it's, it's just not fair. The, the, I mean, Miami seems a likely candidate, but the Chiefs released a running back. Yeah, I don't need. I don't even know the name, so I think it. Uh, I don't think they freed up much space with that. <laughs> um, no, they won't have done. No you know, disrespect actually, to the fellow who I can't even know his name right now. On the subject of nepotism in the NFL or lack thereof, Doug Pedersen just cut his son. Nice. That's an interesting conversation. He what? How's Thanksgiving going in the house? He came into the tight end room quite late in the process and was like tight end five or six. So I'm not surprised, but I am like, oh really? Oh, oh, it was always going to be awkward. Less controversial than when we cut Tim Tebow. Well, Tim Tebow, right? So obviously, when when that people were talking about the block or the the non-block, as I should say, in that preseason game. And people were ripping Tim Tebow for that. He did his job. He got in the way. Stops the defender getting to the ball carrier. So what's the problem? Well, I think topical here. We were saying, obviously, you have players that you, you really root for and you really like. Tim Tebow. I think what Patrick was saying there in terms of the Jaguars, obviously, 
cutting Tim Tebow in Florida is, you know, sacrilege. Mm-hmm. The yes. same with the Saints. They Jarvis Landry last year, it was like, we have to go get Jarvis Landry, bring him home, LSU. It obviously didn't work out, but you have these kind of local kind of heroes that team you want to see succeed. You want Tim Tebow to, to you know, thrive in Florida. You want Jarvis Landry to come back to, to Louisiana and, and hit it out. And it obviously doesn't always work, but they're the kind of feel good, like, let's hope this works. Kendall Hinton, waved by the Broncos. Legend. Mm. Hall of Famer Kendall Hinton. And a, and a, and a very solid, reliable receiver. Quarterback. And, <laughs> quarterback, yeah. <laughs> yes, indeed. Um, Kendall Hinton should be an honorary Bronco for life. If he doesn't come back to the team, because he did, they did this before, but I think they released him, and then he was put onto the practice squad. In fact, that was the year he became the quarterback uh, in, in 2020. Um, if they don't bring him back, they should just make him an honorary Bronco for life and just give him a, 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 a ring and say, there you go, that's you, Bronco for life ring, special just for you. Because Kendall Hinton stepped up when the team needed him. Yes, they lost the game. Uh, he completed one pass out of eight or whatever it was. But you know what he did? He completed more passes than any other Bronco player that day. So Kendall Hinton deserves to be a Bronco for life. Um, and as I say, his, his wristband is in the Hall of Fame. He, by association, is a Hall of Famer. So there you go. Um, so I, 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 was, I was gutted when I saw that Kendall Hinton had been had been cut by the by the oh Adam Schefter just no deal did no deal Indianapolis did not find what it felt the fair value offer for Jonathan Taylor and it is not trading it's all pro running back today league sources have told ESPN uh, with no trade materializing today Taylor's now expected to remain on the pop list making him ineligible to play for the first four games of the season he's expected to miss the games versus the Jaguars. Uh, the Texans, Ooh. the Ravens, and the Rams. So there. Such terrible negotiating on the part of the Colts. Like, oh, we don't think you're worth paying. Oh, but we're not trading him unless you give us something good. I mean, all right, maybe it's not. Maybe they don't want to trade him. They want to put him in a position where he can't play and can't earn. But it's, I don't it's know. Just, it's just horrible management. Well, it's it's the Colts. That sums up the Colts. <laughs> yeah, it, it really does. Chris Ballard, the GM, he's, he's, he's got to go. Has to be. He can't but, survive But this. the thing is, I, I wonder how much of this is Jim Arcee. I, I really do wonder how much, because all for, for the past 40-odd years, he sticks his nose in when he shouldn't. I don't know how much of this is Ballard and how much is Jim Arcee. I think you're right, Jake. I think Ballard will be gone after this year. But um, I think RC is just one of those uh, owners who just keeps sticking his beak in where it doesn't belong. Very much the way Al Davis did all those years in in um, Oakland and Los Angeles and then Oakland and Los Angeles again and then Vegas and whatever. Constantly sticking his beak in. Just let... Why pay someone? Why pay a general manager if you're not going to let him do his thing? What's the point of that? You know? Or it's like, why, why have a head coach... And then give him absolutely no say on personnel. None whatsoever. I, I get saying, well, you know, he's the coach. His job is to coach the players, the personnel that we have. But if he's saying, well, this guy's just not good enough. You can get this guy's better. Surely you should listen to the coach in those situations. At least Jerry Jones is narcissistic enough to say, yeah, exactly. Why have a general manager? 
I'm the general manager now. Well, Jim Irsay is still pretending that there's a general manager. Yeah, it, it is. That, do you know what? You're right. Jerry Jones at least is like, I don't need a general manager. I, I, I call the shots here. This is my team. I pay the wages, so I pick the team. Fair play, Jerry. You do pick, you know, you pay the wages. You pick the team. And he's like Glenn Fry from the Eagles. Is that right? Yeah, Glenn Fry. I think he was the boss of the Eagles. I don't know where that came from, but he was. He wrote all the songs and he paid the rest of the other guys. I think. I could be wrong. I think Don Henley had some say in it. Anyway, uh, gentlemen, I've started just talking nonsense here. We, we finally found out what happened to Jonathan Taylor. Nothing. We could sleep easy. We can sleep easy. As Jake now. predicted about 15 minutes ago. He did. He said, <laughs> yeah, I did say this was completely anticlimactic. We've wasted our time. We've wasted everyone's time. We have. Maybe I'll cut that down a bit so i'll say oh 15 minutes to go and then a minute later it'll be like nothing happened by the magic of editing uh (laughs) gentlemen thank you very much for tonight um patrick appreciate you coming back we will of course need to get you back on the podcast again it was an absolute pleasure i enjoyed those last 15 minutes even if no one hears it (laughs) (laughs) and uh, jake uh thank you again anytime but it was uh, always interesting these pre-season weeks where it's kind of a, a free-for-all in terms of the podcast and you we just make it work we certainly do at least we think we do i'm not sure what the listeners think but yeah uh, we certainly do uh and thank you speaking of the listeners to everyone who's listening don't forget you can find us on twitter at x oh my goodness twitter x at the winfl show you can also find myself jake pat dave tim hope slew of us andrew uh on twitter um feel free to hit us up especially if you want to like uh, you know, nominate a random stat feel free to do so and uh, we will catch you on next week's edition of the winfl show <laughs>